Thanks for tuning in. I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch Podcast. In this episode, two multi-year labor union campaigns reach their climaxes. As Democrats introduce a $15 minimum wage bill at the behest of the Service Employees International Union, and the Radical Teachers Union in Los Angeles goes on strike. Far-left activists celebrate the controversial Women's March by distributing literal fake news, and the Senate reaffirms the no-religious-test clause of the Constitution. Two multi-year labor union campaigns are coming to a head as the Service Employees International Union, the SEIU, Fight for 15 sees SEIU-supported Democratic legislators introduce its minimum wage hike legislation into the new Democratic House of Representatives, and the United Teachers Los Angeles goes on strike. The SEIU's bill, dubbed in congressional PR speak as the Raise the Wage Act, would raise the federal minimum wage to $15 per hour, more than double, making it the culmination of the SEIU-funded Fight for 15, an eight-year, so far, effort to double the minimum wage and unionize the restaurant industry. It shouldn't be surprising that the Democrats backing the plan have received support from the SEIU in the past. In total, Democratic members of the Education and Labor Committee have received over $330,000 in campaign contributions from the SEIU's political committees throughout their congressional careers. Institutional Democratic organizations in the House of Representatives also rely on SEIU support. The DCCC, the official party committee for Democratic candidates for the U.S. House, received $30,000 in contributions from the SEIU's PAC in the 2018 cycle, and the SEIU contributed $265,000 to House Majority PAC, an unlimited expenditure super PAC associated with Democratic Party leadership. But the minimum wage is only one of two parts of the SEIU's campaign, and it is the second part that the union is counting on to keep its treasury full. Put simply, the SEIU wants to force McDonald's, in this case the corporate branding entity based in Illinois, to force your local McDonald's, which is in most cases an independently owned and operated business which contracts with big McDonald's, to unionize its employees, presumably with the SEIU's National Fast Food Workers Union, and to agree to a nationwide SEIU contract. One presumes that other franchise restaurants would be targeted after McDonald's capitulated. This isn't some weird conspiracy. Aaron Gupta, a leftist writing for a socialist and trade union magazine in these times in 2013, wrote, quote, The first step of the SEIU organizing campaign is to challenge the legal distinction between a corporation and its individual franchises. In 2015, unions convinced the National Labor Relations Board, the government agency that regulates labor employment relations, to redefine that distinction. This amounted to a major payoff for the SEIU's support of Democrats in the 2008 and 2012 elections, during which the union provided tens of millions of dollars in support of President Barack Obama's campaigns and other Democratic political efforts. The Labor Board is presently considering a regulation to restore the prior direct control standard. The SEIU and other labor unions have heavily mobilized support for the Obama-era redefinition. The stakes for SEIU? Diana Furchtgott-Roth, then of the Manhattan Institute, estimated that the union could rake in as much as $100 million per year from unionizing only half of McDonald's restaurant workers, with big chunks of that coming from initiation fees that new employees pay to the union when they get hired. The other big labor story comes from California, where the United Teachers Los Angeles, a joint affiliate of both national teachers' unions, the American Federation of Teachers and the National Education Association, has gone on strike. The union, led by its radical president, Alex Caputo-Pearl, who is widely believed to have ambitions of higher union office, rejected a contract which would have offered an immediate 6% pay increase. 
A key difference between the Los Angeles strike and the Wildcat work stoppages that hit mostly conservative-led states in early 2018 is that California teachers are relatively well-paid. Average LA Unified School District per teacher pay is approximately $75,000, which exceeds the state's median household income. UTLA has demanded an immediate halt to new charter schools, retroactive pay increases, and lower class sizes. That's despite the fact that the class size issue had previously been negotiated by the union and district in prior collective bargaining agreements. According to the school district, the system is losing $500 million a year. The superintendent wrote in the Wall Street Journal that the district's reserve funds would be depleted within three years at the present rate. In the background of the strike is a UTLA-backed ballot measure, which has already qualified for the 2020 election ballot, which would partially repeal California's Proposition 13 restrictions on property taxes. And while negotiations and demonstrations continue, the strike could last anywhere from a few days to several weeks. In our second item, residents of the nation's capital were hit with a new form of fake news from a self-described trickster activist collective when left-wingers, including the extremist Code Pink, distributed copies of a fake edition of the May Day 2019 Washington Post announcing President Trump's resignation. The Washington Post, the real one, was not happy. A spokesperson said in a statement that, quote, we will not tolerate others misrepresenting themselves as the Washington Post, and we are deeply concerned about the confusion it causes among readers. She additionally said that the Post is, quote, seeking to halt further improper use of our trademarks. MoveOn.org, a left-wing advocacy group that is named for a proposal to censure a president for unethical activities related to his cover-up of an extramarital affair, and then move on rather than impeach him, praised the distribution of the fake newspaper on social media, but denied being involved in the stunt. The president for which Move On is named is, of course, William Jefferson Clinton. Activists involved in the fake post stunt said they were, quote, using the women's march as an opportunity to give a sense of our hopes and dreams to people participating in these marches over the weekend. The women's march is scheduled for Saturday, January 19th. The women's march itself has courted lots of controversy for the anti-Semitic ties of its senior leadership, which we detailed in episode 53 of this podcast. For its part, Code Pink has a radical anti-Israeli position, having endorsed the boycott, divestment, and sanctions campaign to target the Israeli economy. Finally, we have a follow-up on a story from last week. In response to the Test Act-style questioning of a Catholic nominee for a federal judgeship over his membership in the Knights of Columbus Charitable Fraternal Organization, Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska introduced, and the Senate adopted by a voice vote, a non-binding resolution affirming the sense of the Senate that disqualifying a nominee to federal office on the basis of membership in the Knights of Columbus violates the Constitution of the United States, specifically the No Religious Tests Clause. That's our show for this week. If you're listening to this on YouTube, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.